a Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. Are you ready? On air. Online. On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews and episodes on demand now. Subscribe so you don't miss any of it. We are speaking with the one and only Dave the Snake Zabo. The new album, The Gang's All Here, is out October 14th. I have had a chance to listen to it uh, multiple times, and I've got to tell you, it is damn, damn good. Uh, Not Dead Yet, definitely a single. When the Lights Come On, definitely a single. Resurrected, definitely a single. Uh, These are some of the best songs I have heard by a melodic hard rock band in last 15 years 20 years i mean this is a this is a this is a fucking monster uh i'm <laughs> i'm i'm taking it back i mean what a what an incredible uh uh intro to to the yeah. to the conversation my gosh well needless to say yep. thank you and i'm i'm very very humbled by your kind words um it's it, this record has been a labor of love for sure, as as all records are. Yep. But this just one, this one has a story that is is almost unbelievable. Uh, how it all came to be, and how certain forces of the universe had had to align in order to, for it to happen. And uh, at some point, we didn't know if it was going to happen. So it's just it's just a, a great it's a great story for us, uh, and. We, I don't believe that we could be happier with the fi- with the final product, right. uh, yeah. considering all the all the different avenues that we went through in order to to, to get, to get there. Do you want to hear my one disappointment with the album? Sure, you my, of one di- my one disappointment is that you didn't call it resurrected. I just think that <laughs> this is the rebirth that. of a what? I understand that. Yeah, I just, I just, I, you hear the song and it's such a great song and you see that the band's back and that they're, you're, you're sounding like the first album. It's like, this is like a mix of Slave to the Grind and the, and you just went, this fucking band's resurrected. I mean, this band is, is, is back. So that, I mean, and that's just, be, that's being bitchy by saying that, but. <laughs> no, not at all. And that's funny. I, I do understand that. And, and, you know what? For one reason or another, we 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 didn't even think about calling it that, and I don't know why. But maybe it was just too obvious to us. <laughs> you know, and that's pretty funny, man. <laughs> so so talk to me about this because th- this is definitely, if you ask me, a band recapturing its sound, recapturing its style, and I think a lot of that has to do with Eric Grunwall. Now, Eric, of course, has been around the block with uh, Heat in the in in the in Sweden. I was going to say the UK. Uh, a, a hidden treasure to most North Americans for the last 15 years. For, for some of us who like Heat, he, he's just a brilliant guy. Tell, how did you find him? Where did you get him from? Wow, this is uh, this is a story. Um, we were first made aware of Eric in back in uh, like 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. when he did uh, his audition tape for Swedish Idol yeah. in Life. And so we were made aware, like, check out this kid. You know, it's flattering. And and you don't, you don't think much of it other than, man, I hope the kid does well, which he did. Um, and then uh, cut to 2018 or 19, his band Heat was on tour with us in Europe. 
And so we were like, oh, yeah, that's the dude who did, you know, Swedish Idol. And he sounded great every night. And they were a very good band. And, and uh, but we didn't really hang out. Like, we didn't really get to know him on a personal level. Passing by in a hallway type of thing. Very nice. Very, very nice. All the guys were. Um, and then people started putting little uh, uh, chirping in our ear a little bit. A couple different people had uh, one one came up to me and a couple came up to some other people in our organization and, and said, I know you guys are good with everything, but if there ever comes a point where you're looking for a singer, there's a dude in Stockholm who is the guy. Yeah. And it's Eric. We'll say, wow, it's really interesting. You know, how I've known this guy about this guy now for 10 years. And then in last year, uh, he started putting up, he put up another rendition of 18 in life yeah. and started put up a whole bunch of other stuff of him doing Dio and, and Iron Maiden and, and, and Queen and Van Halen and, and that got our attention. We were like, Man, this, this dude is just really, really good. Yeah. Having no idea his own personal story. Yeah, Can, can uh, we just contextualize it for a second? Because he sure. had cancer and, and he had... Which you're not aware of. Which you were not aware of. But he, he was very open about it on Instagram and on Facebook and all these places. And those songs that he was covering was sort of his therapy, in a sense. It, it wasn't his psychotherapy, but it was his therapy. <laughs> It wasn't sort of his therapy. It was absolutely therapy. Absolutely. And and so uh, he he was singing from a different place. He was singing from survival, and he was singing from heart and soul. I mean, he wasn't just making covers. He was he was sort of screaming out, "This is who I am, and I need to do this." So, so so you see them, and, and then you say, "Okay." So simultaneously. We had we were recording the record and we're touring, so you're kind of doing the record in in a piecemeal fashion, mm-hmm. and we uh, we felt that something like we felt that the band and ZP were were starting to go in in two different directions, correct? Um, and by I think it was by by February. We we felt even though we had had recorded all the music for the record and and had a, a couple or two or three vocals you know that were cut for the record, we realized that we're in uh, we we're in kind of a point of we need to make a decision and a pretty heavy decision now, be, or else this might get really. Uh, uncoverable, right? Because uh, yeah, if you make the switch after, now you're touring on an album with a different singer, and that's just yeah, it's just weird. And it <laughs> just was, it was we. There was no arguments with Z or anything like that. It was just moving in two vastly different directions. Uh, and it, it, it. I guess it happened sort of slowly, but we kind of didn't didn't pay attention to him maybe but once it once it start we started noticing we're like oh man and and it just things started drifting apart and like i said it, it's strange there was no arguments 
Right. There was no uh, vitriol. Uh, I, I, I think Z's but, a great guy. He's but, a great but, singer. But it wasn't working for us. To, to be bitchy again, up. there was also no magic. I saw the band with ZP, and it was a great performance, but there wasn't that spark. It just, it just, and it's not to be offensive to anybody, but it was just, it was just a band doing the music. But you right. hear Eric in there, and you've seen the videos from the Las Vegas residency show, and you just go, "Ooh, okay, magic's back." Yeah, I, I, I think that we sense that too. Yeah. And so it, it, we had to make a really, really tough decision at a very difficult point yeah. in uh, in our careers. And we knew all the the backlash that we would face. We were prepared for that. But when we decided that we needed to make a move, we only had one person in mind, and that was Eric. And now, mind you, we had not contacted him about anything. There was no – this was all <laughs> conversation between, you know, Scotty, Rachel, and myself. Right. And Scotty – I mean, Rachel goes – Let's reach out to him and see if he'll sing on one of the songs to see what this could be. So we sent them the gangs all here. He agreed to it. Out of the blue. Now, this is out of the blue. Yeah, but he's a huge Skid Row fan. I mean, if you send me a song, I can't sing. I would just do it just because, <laughs> you, right, well, know, that, you know, but the thing of course is, it's an well, honor. Well, the point that I'm making, though, is that right. it just out of the blue, he gets a... a, a uh, this, this message from yeah. Rachel going, hey, this is Rachel from Skid Row. Uh, we're, we've got some songs that we, we'd like to hear your vocals on, and would you be up for it? Like very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, it was it was absolutely uh, uh, vague, I guess you could say. It was very right. vague. Right, noncommittal. Exactly. Uh, so he sent back the song in like a week. I mean, like a day, excuse me. And 24 hours later, and I'm in a uh, an air, airport lounge on a layover, and I get a text from both Rachel and Nick. Have you listened to the track? Have you listened to the track? I'm like, no. And they're like, dude. I'm like, okay. So I, I'm with a group of people. And so I go into the bathroom of the uh, Sky Club, and I hold it up to my ear from my phone, and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, this is really good. Yes. But I, so I'll just do it like three or four times. So get back on with Rachel and, and Nick, and, and they're both like, this is next level. This is like a game changer. And I'm like, holy shit, this is. So then we're like, this is great. Do you mind singing a couple more? Sent them a couple more songs, same result. And we're all like, we're our heads are going, wow. Now we've got this residency coming up. Yep. With the Scorpions in Las Vegas starting on March 26th, I believe. Yep. And we're so now we're like, <laughs> do we fly him in? <laughs> well, well, we're like, we get out of the thing with him, Rachel and I are going, why don't I just see if he wants to join the band? And now, mind you, We've never hung out with this dude. We've never played music in a room with him. We never met him. <laughs> We've never met him. And, you know, again, a casual greeting passing in the hallway. So we have no idea what if this person is, uh, you know, an amazing guy or a huge dick. We just don't know. Yeah. So... So we call, we get on a Zoom call with them. We were a little couple pleasantries here and there. And, and finally, you know, we just go, 
Uh, Rachel goes, so dude, uh, uh, here, here's here's the big question. Do you want to be the singer for Skid Row? And I'll never forget this. He he pauses. He's like, uh, like that. And I'm like, my first reaction is, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> well, now what are we going to do? And I presume Rachel felt the same way. And then he just goes, it would be an honor. And we're like, yes. So if all these things are happening that are, uh, you, you can't write this. You know what I mean? Like you can't come up with this, this right. scenario that is continuing. You can't script this. This is not a, a CBS drama. Right. It's not and, Blue and Bloods. Exactly. Right. It's so we're, we're, we're like, okay. So you obviously figured out that these were the songs for the record. We need you to sing the rest of the record. So he sang five more songs while he was in Sweden. So he was done with 80% of the record before we met him. So then, <laughs> so then on a Tuesday, he's flying in from Stockholm to go to Vegas. We're all going to be in Vegas. He has a layover in New York. I live in New York, so I'm flying out of New York. We meet up at the uh, the air, air airline lounge, and I can't. It, it's so incredibly un, unbelievable right. how when I met this guy, how I felt like I had known him forever, like decades. Like it was just too easy. There was. No presumptionness in uh, in his in his attitude. There was no ego. There was no nothing but humility and gratitude. Yeah, yeah the same same type of humor as I did and that we do. And it really felt like we had a pint of beer and, and we're like, I could sit here and just hang out with this guy forever. So we're we're there for a few hours, but in the midst of that, like I can't believe how well this is going. Because of course, I'm, there's there's a part in me that that say, well, you know, when is the shoe uh, the shoe going to drop? You know. Right. So I call up Rachel, and I'm uh, I don't know Eric had gone to the bathroom. So I call up Rachel. And he's already in Vegas. And I go, dude, we've got a problem. This guy's too like, nice. What? I go, no, I go, I go, dude, we got a problem. This guy is a giant dick. He's like, he's an ass. I'm like, he's an asshole. He's full of himself. He's, it's like, I go, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. We can't do this. And Rachel just sounds deflated. He's like, what? Are you serious? I'm like, no, dude, this dude's awesome. He's like, such a great guy. And so we get a chuckle out of that. We fly to Vegas. He meets everybody. Everybody else feels the same. He fits in seamlessly. Again, same sense of humor, which is huge. Uh, just the most down-to-earth guy, and you want to hang out with him. Very positive outlook. Uh, and so we that was Tuesday. We all had dinner together, had a couple beers, went great. Went into rehearsal on Wednesday. He was extremely uh, uh, well well rehearsed beforehand, and he uh, he did his homework. He, he he knew these songs in and out. So we did the set a bunch of times, and it felt great. A uh, couple little things here and there, but it was nothing major. Like, and we're going, 
we might actually be able to pull this off. So yeah. Thursday, we rehearse again, and it's even better. And, you know, and you're finding your footing because when you got when you have a new member of the band, even though the other guys have been together, you know, Rachel and Scotty have been together 36 years, 37 years. Rob's been in the band 12 years. Right. Uh, you still have to find your footing because you don't want to be bumping into each other like the Three Stooges, you know, right. on stage and, and just looking like you don't know what you're doing. But that you don't get to really work that out until you're actually on the stage. So he was like, are there any particular things that you guys do that I should be aware of? And we're like, no, man, we're all just going to have to find our way again, which is great because that's that's being in the moment, reacting in the moment of what's going on. And uh, and it'll work itself out. We'll 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 figure this out. So we rehearsed Thursday. And we're like, man. We don't even need to rehearse tomorrow. This is like, we're ready. And then we went and played the show on Saturday. And it was great. The first show. And so it was like, he had, we had been, we met him for the first time on Tuesday and played a show four days later. <laughs> See? That's insane. Now, and and listen, I've interviewed Eric for the last 10 years for, for Heat and for other stuff. And right. he's just always been a shining light. I mean, he's, he, he's just a guy, you know, heat is a smaller interview for, for what I do. And yet you just, you were, you had to be in his corner. You just go, you know, I'm going to do this because he's such a good dude. I mean, yep. and, and he's going to bring that to the band, which is going to be fantastic. Now he is currently the only member of Skid Row to have received a Grammy nomination for having participated in Jesus Christ Superstar. Uh, I call him Grammy Grunwald. That's my nickname for him. <laughs> Grammy Grunwald. Uh, does he? Uh, does he ever? Did he bring that up uh, in uh, Las Vegas? Go listen, boys. I have a Grammy nomination, so <clears throat> not at all. <laughs> he that, should, that's he how should. humble. That's how humble that I'll bring it up to him. Grammy Grunwald. That's my nickname. I'm gonna bust his balls now. Yeah. <laughs> he. Uh, no. See, that's you. You obviously, after knowing him for ten years, you know how humble is how humble he is, and and the the. The, his whole ordeal uh, with with cancer and so being a cancer survivor uh, is really it's it's an inspirational story. Yep. Because his path, uh, uh, by his words, was was headed somewhere else, and before that happened, and him being in the hospital bed saying, "If I get out of here," which is just just yeah. the thought of being in a position like that, not knowing. If you're going to get out of there, but if I get out of there, I'm going to dedicate my life to my art, my singing. You know what what I've been gifted, and you know you you there is no four more thankful guys that he made that decision than than the than Skid Row. Uh, he and he his outlook on life, I think, is very reflective of the experiences that got him to this point in life, and. That guy is such a force. He's a, a a force of nature, and his positivity and his humility is absolutely infectious. And his dedication to his singing, to being a great band member, to being a great performer, mm -hmm. it is it's intoxicating. 
And Dude. I love hanging out with the guy. Like, I really love hanging out with him. He's back home in, in Sweden right now. I miss the guy. Like, I'm, and that's really cool. And, and and that being said, I miss all my band members right now. And that after 30-some years of being down the road with these people, and they're, 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 they're my brothers, to miss them after being only away from them for a couple of weeks is pretty awesome. It speaks a lot to the bonds that we have developed over the years and that yep. we're building with Eric. You see, this band is resurrected. I'm telling you, that, it's, true. It's, a, it's true. It's so funny. I can't believe it. <laughs> um, just real quick on 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 the band and, and moving forward. Um, okay. Uh, you know, everybody talks about this, uh, about a reunion. A re I'm not going to ask you that question because it's a stupid question. It's a stupid Thank question. You. But what I want to know is the, there's a, a fantasy in the fan base that if, if there's a, if it happened, that you would somehow become something different. You know, they see Kiss and they see Madison Square Garden, they see Iron Maiden and Bruce Dickinson. Ultimately, there is no purpose for it because the band would just still be where you are. I mean, you're playing the M3 festival, you're sort of, you, you, you do, I mean, it, it wouldn't change anything. Right, I mean, it's just it's just a strange fantasy for fans to have at this point, isn't it? Well, it would change everything for the worse. Well, that's it. You, you, less money, more arguments. You'd uh, still be playing I, the same gigs. You know, the money isn't was never a factor. Uh, I said that a, a, a bunch of times. The, of course, the money of course, was never a factor. It was just a case of, uh, you know, the love of playing music with people that you love and. Uh, that that's always been the case, and when and when, you know, when it wasn't fun anymore, we decided that we had to walk away and make changes, and that that's that still exists to this day. We you know, when Rachel and I started the band, that was we wanted to write music that we loved to play, mm -hmm. and we wanted to love playing the music with people that we love being around. And when it when that didn't when it wasn't fun for us anymore, we were going to have to make some changes either break up the band or move on to something else or, or make personnel changes, yeah. which is, we kind of did two of those things. And, um, uh, I, I have no regrets because I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of the entire history and, uh, of our band. Um, I, I, I don't hide from the past. The band doesn't hide from the past. We're, yeah. you know, we pay tribute to, uh, our history every of night. Course. And so, and I'm thankful for everybody that's played a part in uh, uh, of Skid Row from the, its inception to where we are now in August of 2022. Uh, but where we are right now is exactly where I personally want to be. I'm having, I'm enjoying it so much. The people are obviously picking up on on Eric and his. Uh, yeah, let's his get back to Eric. Influence. What's that? Let's get back to Eric because that's, yeah. that's the more interesting. It's just I just wanted to address that in the sense that there seems to be this fantasy that if it ever happened, that suddenly you'd be playing Madison Square Garden for five nights, and ultimately, <laughs> um, I think it's fair to say that it you would still anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so I just I just people have to stop asking that question, and and the fantasy has to. So let's get back to to Eric. Talk about writing these songs. Was there a conscious decision to say, 
you know, the fur, you know, youth gone wild, slave to the grind, monkey business has a sound, has a way that the, the, did you sort of deliberately say, okay, let's go back to that initial concept, or is that just the way you write? And so this is how these songs came out. Well, it's interesting. It was not our direction. Okay. From, from within the band, that direction came from Nick Raskillin, it's our producer. Right, who's now, done Black Star here, Riders and Rush and a whole bunch of others. Oh, we got Rush, uh, Black Star Riders, uh, Hailstorm, uh, yep. uh, Foo Fighters, uh, Alice in Chains. Yep, you know, one of the greatest been, out there right now. He he is the hot current guy. I mean, he's just he's, he's he's a phenomenal guy. And Rachel met him in Nashville. Uh, small circle of people down there. They're all group of friends, and, and they happen to be friends with uh, mutual people. Yep. And Nick, Nick says uh, to Rachel, I really would love to do a Skid Row record someday. And so Rachel calls me up. He goes, you know Nick Raskin-Lynn? So I go, I never met him, but of course I know who he is. He goes, dude, I just met him. And he says he wants to do a Skid Row record. And we're both like, he's just being nice, you know. So Rachel starts hanging out with him more and more, and he goes, yeah, this dude's really cool. And then he goes, he said it again, and he wants to do a Skid Row record. We're like, uh, uh, Rachel and I are like, well, man, why don't we like see if we can take him up on this? Let's let's see if we can make, make it happen on our end from a business standpoint. And so we talked to him, we're like, if you really want to do this, we really want to do this. Let's make this happen. He goes, let's make it happen. And we went through all the business side of things that need to be taken care of. And that went through no problem whatsoever. Uh, we had already been signed with, with ear music. And, and when they heard that that was going to happen, they were all about it. They were like, whatever you need to make it happen, let's make it happen. Right. So when we met with, with, with Nick for the first time, and started talking about the record. We had a, a bunch of songs that were written and, he said to us, which was a really incredible statement, he goes, the record I want to make is I want to reintroduce you guys to who you are. Right. And we're like, whoa, that's a heavy. He heavy wants to resurrect the band, I'm telling you. So, right. So he. Uh, <laughs> I'm being a dick about that, but sorry. No, great, though. Great. <laughs> so he, uh, he sat there and looked at us all and said, I'm a fan. I've been a fan since the very beginning. I've seen you guys play numerous times. Mm -hmm. I think I know who you are. But what happens is in, in the course of making records you with us, we didn't want to be redundant from record to record to record. So you're, you're doing something different than what you did previously. Right. Lo and behold, 37 years later, you look over your shoulder and you realize, wow, we're pretty far away from where we began. And his idea was that may be true, but the people that created that first record, the uh, the young adults that created that, that essence of who you are still exists within you. There might be layers of life that are over that, covering it, but underneath that, that is still there. And we're going to tap into that again. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, what a challenge. Like, what a great challenge to be put forth that you know you can succeed at it because it is within you. Like, that essence for me yep. of a 16-year-old kid with an Ibanez Iceman 
playing in front of mirror, pretending I'm Paul Staley or Ace Freely or, or Randy Rose or, or Eddie or, or, or Michael Shank, whoever, pretending to be that person, that person still exists. That's what, that's why I get up on stage in every, every night is to satiate that, that spirit that yep. is, lies within. And we all have that in our band. And so that was a revelation, so to speak. And then came the process of how we do that. Well, we go into the studio with Nick, and it's the four of us, Rachel, Scotty, Rob, and myself, drums, amps, loud, we're in, banging away. And we took every song that we had written, and we deconstructed it and reconstructed it. And that process was something we had never been involved with before. Right. Uh, you know, we Rachel and I would write a song or whomever. We bring it to the band. We make some tweaks. We go to the studio. That was a song. Maybe make a couple tweaks in the studio. But it was pretty much written in stone. This time was, you know, everything that you've done so far, all the work that you've done, we're going to take it apart and we're going to rebuild this. And one of the key things in order to make that happen had to be that we dropped our egos in the parking lot before we came into the studio and everyone was like, absolutely, man, yep. this is nothing personal. If, if an idea isn't great and we say it's not great, it's not personal. It's just, it's just not working in this particular situation. And so we went in there and just, did it old school. It felt like we were back in the garage at Rachel's parents' house, banging out music and trying different stuff. And and so he would Nick would sit there and he'd be like, Okay, I love that part. I love that part. In this part coming out of the chorus, I want you to try something like you did in the B section of Monkey Business. And I was like, boom, light bulb. And all of a sudden, this whole thing within you opens up this whole well of creativity and ideas starts opening up and you're like, yes, I remember that. And like, and, and then you start uh, tapping in to that part of your history. And it, again, it's Nick posing a challenge. I know you have it in you. I know that you, you do. And, and that it, he has such a demeanor about him, such a positive, demeanor of pushing you and challenging you that you want to step up to the challenge and succeed to make him happy because <laughs> yeah. well, he's the kind of guy he, he just you listen to for example like the band like the black star riders that which are sort of new to north americans and so he has turned them into something special like he just knows how to make good music and how to suck that talent out of you yeah he's he's terrific um let me just quickly ask you about the first two albums, real, real quick, real quick. First album comes out, it's does great on radio, does great on MTV. You're opening up for Bon Jovi, and the perception or the marketing is very much these are the pretty boys, and it's sort of a pop metal. And was that why Slave to the Grind was born? Did you sort of say, "Whoa, we're not fucking pop metal boys," so let's give them fucking Slave to the Grind and get the fuck out? And or were you going in that direction anyway? So. I think so People had, I didn't mean to interrupt you, I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, I think people had uh, a, a perception of us, uh, again, based on uh, maybe what the what the label and the promo people were, were putting forth. Right. But I think people's perceptions were a bit 
changed when they saw us live. Yes. Because we were we were definitely a heavier band live. Correct. I saw you live. I saw you open for Jovi. I saw you do that. It was great. And, and so it was a little bit more harder yes. than what maybe the first record on its own uh, showcased. Uh, I mean, the, the first record is still a hard rock record, but we were a harder live. We were more intense live. Yeah. Yeah, listen, it, it uh, is a hard rock record, but it was marketed to a very female audience, to a very sort of pop metal audience. It, it was marketed along the Bon Jovis and the Def Leppards, and it was meant to be, here are these cutesy, cutesy guys from, from Jersey. And it's like, okay, they might be cutesy guys from Jersey, but they they got balls, my friend. Yeah, well, that was the thing. That's what we showcased when we would play live. And, right. and so I think people's perceptions of us started to change once they saw us live. And as we progressed... And as we kept going on tour uh, and and experiencing life and different cultures and, and the rest of the world, I mean, you know, we had really never been out of uh, anywhere but New York or New Jersey in that northeast area. Uh, so this was all brand new. Right. And we also weren't aware, fully aware, of how successful the record was performing. I mean, you see the numbers, but you don't know what that – uh, how that uh, is reflective <laughs> of what the audience, how they might react right. to you if, if they meet you in person. And, I mean, because we're living in a in a, uh, <laughs> a, a tin bubble. You, know, you, you, you see it on life. Billboard and you go, aren't I supposed to be getting checks to go along with this? Like, well, right? yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's another thing. <laughs> Where are the still, checks? <laughs> you're still eating macaroni and cheese and peanut butter, you know, <laughs> right. and, and sandwiches. And so we... Uh, we and you're living in a bubble. You're living in the in a tour bus. Twelve guys on a tour bus trying to get along for eighteen months, uh, but and you're signing autographs after the show. But it's not, you know, it's not like we had meet and greets or anything like that. Those days didn't come into fruition yet. No, but, listen, I met you at a mall in Ottawa. You were out at the Sparrow Pizza buying slices, and uh, who are you opening for at that? Was it was it Bon Jovi? No, or was it Aerosmith? Aerosmith, yeah. Aerosmith. I saw you. You were you were at the mall buying slices of pizza like at three in the afternoon. That's where I met you the first time because <laughs> Rachel had that thing in his nose, and I go, "There ain't no other guy with a thing in his nose." That's definitely yeah, right. Exactly. And you were at Sparrow Pizza buying slices, and I was like, "Hey, yeah. oh, that's so funny, dude. That's really great." Yeah, the so Rio there, just goes, just goes to show you we're you know completely unaware. regular guys. But so, and, so uh, what was was slaved to the grind a reaction to all that, or were you going naturally in that direction? That that's well, we had begun when I, you know, a lot of the riffs that I had come up with, and a lot of songs that were, you know, Rachel, a lot of riffs Rachel was coming up with were leading in a heavier direction. Okay, uh, uh, we there was, I mean. We were so grateful for everything that was going on, but we also got to witness some ugly sides of the music business as well. And it's called I think recoupment that, costs. Yeah, I just you know <laughs> you, you see a lot of people get rich, and you're going, "Wow, what's going on?" I mean, it finally worked itself out, thank God. But uh, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that was going on uh, in the world around us, and uh, that we again seeing these places and experiencing different cultures for the first time was really influential on our broader outlook uh of life uh it wasn't so constrained anymore and uh i think that all fell into uh, all all developed itself into a uh uh 
uh, a rougher, uh, more more aggressive uh, mindset. And so when riffs started coming in and we started working on stuff, it was just it just was heavier. I remember playing on the Aerosmith tour, being in uh, uh, National Coliseum out here in Long Island. And playing the riff to monkey business for Eddie Trunk, who was happened to be in the dressing room. And this is just the beginning riff. Bow, 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 bow. That's it. You know, I was like, yeah, I got this riff, and, you know, because I was warming up. And so that was already being dictated while we were on the road. Wow. And we, we felt that that was where we were going. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, when I first heard Slave to the Grind, I, I just went, ooh, it's way too heavy for me. And then. I heard it some more, and I heard it some, and then I went, "Oh, yeah, this is this is kind of good." This is <laughs> anyway, and, and and I saw you on tour actually in Denmark at the KB Holland with L.A. Guns opening. LA Guns. That was a fucking great show. Yeah, that was wow. a really fun tour, man. They were a lot of fun to be on the road with. I really, really enjoyed getting to know those guys and, and spending time with them. Uh, you know, I, I I still consider them friends, and and I, I was. Really thankful with, uh, you know, there was there was no uh, no issues between the bands. We all got along great. We all traveled on each other's buses. You know, Tracy would come on our bus and we'd watch Gary Moore videos. You know, and uh, it's just a great camaraderie. Uh, let me just ask you this uh, as we wrap up here: the last sort of full full album was Revolutions Per Minute, which was 2006. So it was it's been 16 years from full length to full length. We're we're we're, we're skipping over the EPs for a second, right? Yeah. Now that you have Eric in here, do you see yourself wanting to be more active and say, okay, maybe by 2024 we should have a proper follow up, or do you just say, listen, well, we'll just ride this until until. You know, another 15 years. Who cares? Yeah, right. No, I do uh, because Eric is a is is a really he's a creative force on his own, mm -hmm. and he's and a great already, writer. Oh yeah, and we've already started writing. I think we've got we've got three things that we're you know uh, excited about right now, and that's only going to keep going. I mean, he's been in the band for you know since since march and aside from getting to know us and all the traveling that he has to do coming back and forth to the states we've been able to to work on uh a few things that we feel really good about and that's just going to keep happening like i'm i'm when i get done with 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 you i'm going about 10 feet away from me and i've got a couple ideas that i'm going to try and you know Suss out uh, yeah and it's really cool because he is a creative force. Well, he's got a Grammy and, nomination to prove it. I know. You got to keep rubbing <laughs> that in, bitch. Grammy Grumble. <laughs> <laughs> That's really great. I, lo I love I that. Love I, hey, listen. Um, the one thing, and, and I'll end on this. You've got a new singer. You've done the uh, the residency with the Scorpions. The album comes out in October. His voice is absolutely perfect. It, it lends itself to a live album where you just sort of say, Hey fans, you got to hear Eric sing monkey business without a doubt. And that, that is actually something that's been a topic of conversation. We're, we're planning to do that now. We're, uh, we're, we're just attempting to figure out where the best venue for us to do it is going to be, but we are definitely, definitely, uh, that's right at the top of the list of things that we want to do in the coming months. Yeah. Because there, there are two options to get his voice on stuff is to do an album of re-records, 
right or alive i vote for live because i think you, you want to sell that excitement and you want to sell that angst and you know whatever yeah i think that uh, i think that right now we want to have uh a document of who we are as a band that lives in perpetuity. You know, I, I, it's just, yeah. it's a really exciting time for us. And uh, we, we listen back to the live shows and, and we feel very confident that we'd be able to do something really special with a, with a live recording. I, I agree. I, I can see it now. Skid Row live at M3 featuring Grammy right. nominated singer. Grammy nominated. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Eric Grunwald. <laughs> <laughs> see that's the that's, that's the way great. to do it but uh just uh folks the, this album comes out in october i've had a chance to hear it and, and again time bomb resurrected when the lights come on tear it down gangs all here not not dead it, it's just one fucking hit after the other i mean these these this is not just reheated nonsense this is vital new music from one of your favorite bands Oh, dude, you're too kind, man. Thank, that means a lot coming from you. Thank you so much. You're very welcome, and uh, thank you for thank you for today. And hopefully, dude, we'll see always, you in- always a pleasure. You know that I uh, I always love talking to you, whether we're doing it uh, for your show or just doing it at a bar. Uh, yep. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, let's hope that this tour gets to uh, to Canada at some point because uh, fans have got to see this. I mean, Eric Eric really has. Uh, injected a new life, and I'm not putting down uh, Johnny or Z here, but there's just there's a magic here. There really just there's a I, magic I, here. It's palpable for sure. Yeah, merci, monsieur. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my friend. You have a great rest of your day. You too. Cheers. Bye, buddy. Bye, bye. An all new episode of the Mitchell Fun and Jeremy White Show Tuesday at noon. Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes on demand now. Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.